We're going to be talking about, last week if you weren't here, we talked about being bold. And we defined bold as being confident and courageous and fearless. And a lot of times, those people that we live with, they, they know the areas that we're really courageous in. They know the areas that we're really confident in and that we don't fear. But our families are the ones that also know the, the parts of us that aren't as good in those areas, that aren't as courageous and confident. And it's, a, it's an opportunity for us this morning to, last week we talked about being bold in our worship, that worship's a lifestyle. It's not just three songs. And by the way, let's give it up for John. He did a great job leading us in worship today. He's going to be doing that more often. I, I, I really love his heart in worship and everything, and he just does a phenomenal job. So I'm excited to have, uh, have John here. But we talked about worship being a lifestyle, being something that we need to be confident in, that, that we need to be bold in. And this week we're going to be talking about being bold in our love. Listen, we, we throw the love word around a lot in America. We, th- we throw it around a lot in our world. And the world's view of what love is is drastically different from what God says love is. So that's what we're going to dive into today. We're going to dive into what does it truly mean to love. We're going to be going out of Luke 10, verse 25 through 37. So if you brought your Bible, pull that out. If you have it on your phone, you can pull that up real quick. We're going to be talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's probably a story that a lot of you guys have read before. And if not, it's a, it's a great story that Jesus tells. We're going to start in verse 25. I'm out of the ESV, so if you have a, a different... Bible there, it might read a little bit different, but let's go starting in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to this place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you, more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three... Do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now that's a cool story to read through. But what we're going to do is, rather than preach to you guys, I want to teach a little bit this morning. I don't necessarily want to get up and (laughs) this. But I want to go through this parable. And I want you guys to get what Jesus is trying to say to Northview Community Church today. Last week when we talked about being bold in our worship, that was really for the church in general, not just Northview, but the church. But I really feel like my message today is for Northview. This is something we can do better in. We do a lot of great things at the church, and today this is going to be something that we can do better in, and that's why Jesus tells us. So the the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's an answer to a question 
opposed to Jesus by the lawyer. We saw that right at the beginning. And in this case, the lawyer isn't the court lawyer that we think of today. He was an expert in Mosaic law. He was an expert in the law. Okay? So he knew, he knew his stuff. He knew what the word of God said. And his question was, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, last week we talked a little bit about the rich young ruler. This was the exact same question that the rich young ruler posed to Jesus. And Jesus responded back to him. He said, you know, keep these commandments. And he goes, hey, I've kept all those things. And they said, yeah, but there's one thing you still lack. You need to lack. Sell all your stuff and then pick up your cross and follow me. Like, follow what I'm doing in, in, in my life. And he walks away because he's sad because he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to give up his stuff. And in this, he already gave Jesus the answer that the rich young ruler should have given Jesus. He said, yeah, I know. You're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your mind and all your strength and all your soul. Everything that's within you, you're supposed to love him. And you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, for this, it, gives, it gave Jesus an opportunity to define to us what relationship should be with our neighbors. It gave him the opportunity to do that. And notice that the text says that the lawyer had put the question to Jesus as a test. Okay, a lot of the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to catch Jesus. They were trying to say, ha, see, you didn't answer that correctly. You're wrong on that. So he's, he's putting up this as a test, but the text doesn't indicate that there was necessarily hostility in the question. He could have simply been seeking information. A lot of times when we pray, we're kind of praying to God, asking him, why did this happen? What's this? God, I don't understand. Show me a sign. And we kind of want to test God at times in our relationships with him. So he's asking him a question. And the wording of the question, however, does give us some insight to where the lawyer's heart was spiritually. He was making an assumption that man must do something to obtain eternal life. It was the same thing as the rich young ruler. He thought he could do something to get to heaven. He thought, if I did these things, I can get to heaven. And this guy's thinking the same thing. This could have been an opportunity for Jesus to discuss salvation. But he chose a different course, and he focuses on relationships and what it means to love. And this is exactly what he's going to talk to us today about. This is exactly the message that Jesus wants Northview Community Church to hear today. Not the people sitting around you, you, in your seat. This is what Jesus wants you to hear today. So Jesus answers the question with another question. He says to him, what is written in the law? What's your reading of it? And by doing that, Jesus is directing the man to the, an authority structure that they both accept. Because there was a lot of arguing between what Jesus would preach. So he knew, hey, if I bring the law into this, this is something that this guy is going to, we're going to have even ground here, Okay. So in essence, he's asking the lawyer, the lawyer, what does scripture say about this? What does scripture say? And what's cool about that is, remember, he was putting Jesus to the test. So what Jesus is really doing here is he's taking this opportunity to now take it off of the, the lawyer trying to evaluate his answer. To now Jesus has put it on the side where now he gets to evaluate the lawyer's answer, which is really cool. And obviously the lawyer answers, right? And he says that. He says, hey, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength, and you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus tells the lawyer, he said, you're correct. And he basically tells him, yeah, you've, you've given the spiritually proper answer. 
But he goes on to tell him in verse 28 that this kind of love requires more than an emotional feeling. Guys, we can't be guided in our walks with God. We can't be guided by emotions. We're humans. We have emotions. Sometimes we don't have control of those emotions. We've all been in a situation where if like hidden cameras were filming us at home sometimes and that aired on like 2020 or something, we'd be ashamed. My mom watched Dateline in 2020 so much growing up. I always thought there were like hidden cameras in our house. But that guy with the white hair, it was a normal day. Just as, you know. Anyway, rough childhood. Just joking. But see, we, we, we've been caught in those moments before where our emotions get the best of us. And he's basically saying to this guy, you need to start practicing what you preach, is what he's telling him. And the lawyer, he's a smart guy. He's not dumb, and he realized that he couldn't possibly love everybody. So he tries to limit the law's command by limiting the parameters of question. Who is my neighbor? And we have to realize that the word neighbor in Greek means someone who is near, and in Hebrew it means someone that you have an association with. So it would be easy for the lawyer to think that Jesus was just talking about fellow Jews. Okay? It would have excluded Samaritans and Romans and, and other foreigners. So Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan to correct the false understanding that the lawyer had of who his neighbor is and what his duty is to his neighbor. So that's where we pick it up and we're reading through. We just read the story of the Good Samaritan. And can I just say this? Jesus is a really good storyteller. He takes this opportunity to tell this story and he he sets the scene. He tells the story of a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now we know that that's a real route in those times and that that was a rough route to travel down. Even though Jesus is telling a parable, there were people that traveled down that road that were actually beaten, that were killed, that were robbed. He was robbed of everything he had. His, His clothing was ripped off. This guy is naked in the road. Now, I don't know about you guys, but maybe growing up, at school, you saw a fight happen. You saw somebody get in a fight. Got some kid decks another kid in the face. He's suspended for a week, and then the next week, they're best friends, right? If it was a guy. If it was girls, they hated each other for life. But uh, I'm just joking. Just joking. I'm in trouble for that one. All right. <clears throat> but I don't know if you've ever actually witnessed someone being beaten within an inch of their life. Man, it, it's, it's, the computer's a great thing sometimes, but some of the videos you can look up nowadays on YouTube, you can literally look up on YouTube and watch people dying and breathing their last breath. Unfortunately, I've, I've, I've seen some of the ISIS videos, and it's horrible. So we have to live in that reality as, as Jesus is telling us the story. We have to be willing to go there in this story to realize this just wasn't, a guy who got punched in the face once, that this guy is lying naked and he's beaten within the inch of his life. He's going to die. So Jesus sets the scene with that. And then he adds the characters. And the first is a priest. Now, if anybody should stop by and help somebody, it should be the priest. Can you imagine Steve driving home and seeing somebody in trouble like that and Steve not stopping. 
I can't imagine that. That's what I love about my senior pastor here. Steve would stop. Steve would stop and help. But in this story, the priest doesn't stop and help. Now, they don't, they don't give a lot of description about the priest. But if there's anybody who knew the law of God's love, it would be the priest. And what does he do? He passes by on the other side. And then the next character that's added to the story is a Levite. He's walking by and he does exactly what the priest did. So if the priest was, was equal to a pastor today, then the Levite's going to be equal to a Christian today. So you sitting out there, this is you now. And he passes by without showing any compassion. And again, he would have known the law. But he failed to show this guy any compassion. And the next person to come by is a Samaritan. The one least likely to show compassion for the man. See, Samaritans were considered a low-class people by the Jews since they had intermarried with non-Jews and they didn't keep all of the law. So Jews did not want anything to do with Samaritans. So that's very important to know. Why did Jesus use a Samaritan? Because the guy he's telling the story to wants nothing to do with Samaritans. We don't know if the injured guy on the, on the side of the road who's, who's dying, we don't know if he's a Jew or a Gentile. He doesn't say. But it made no difference to the Samaritan. He didn't consider the man's race or the guy's religion. He only saw a person in dire need of assistance, so he helped him. And he helped him above and beyond the minimum requirements. I want you to get that today. He helped him above and beyond what he had to do. He didn't just save his life. He did a lot more. And I'm pretty sure all of us in this room can say the same about Jesus. He hasn't just saved us. He's done a lot more for us than just that. He takes care of the man's wounds with wine, which was to disinfect, and with oil to soothe the pain. He puts the man on his own animal and takes him to an inn for a time of healing. And he pays the innkeeper with his own money. He goes beyond the, decent, the decency and tells the innkeeper to take good care of the man and that he would pay for the extra expenses when he returns. See, the Samaritan saw his neighbor as anybody in need. It didn't matter. Now, you have to realize in this story, the Samaritan was traveling. He was going to do something. By seeing this guy on the side of the road, this interrupted his life. This interrupted what he was doing for the day. But he dropped everything that he was doing to help this guy out. He probably didn't end up making it to his destination where he was supposed to be going because this guy is in trouble. So he soothes his wounds and everything. He puts him on his own animal and decides to walk, which is a, a, a long way, to the nearest inn that they can get to. And not only does he get him to a town where, where people can take care of him, he pays for the whole thing. He spends a night with them and takes care of them and then goes to the innkeeper. He says, I got to keep going, but you know what? Here's some money and I'm going to be back through this way. And when I come back here, just go ahead and spend whatever you need to spend and I'll go ahead and pick up the bill when it comes back. He didn't have to do that. But he did because he saw his neighbor as someone in need. How often do we go through life like this? We have the stuff that we want to get accomplished for the day. And God, don't you dare interrupt what I want to do today. 
Because I'm in my comfort zone. And we learned last week that we grow the most with Christ outside of our comfort zones. We've got to get away from that. We have to get away from that. See, in this story, Jesus is drawing a strong contrast between those who knew the law and those who actually followed the law in their lifestyle. A lot of times as, as churchgoers, it's easy for us to come to church and it's easy for us to pick the scriptures that we want to follow and to ignore the ones that we don't like as much. It's easy for us to come and hear a message and think, oh, that applies to my spouse or that applies to my kids. But we never actually say, no, that applies to me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is something that is good for me to be actively doing right now. So Jesus now asked the lawyer if he can apply the lesson to his own life with the question, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him? And once again, the lawyer's answer tells us how hard his heart is. He can't bring himself to say the word Samaritan. So what, what he refers to him as the one who showed mercy. Because he still has that hate in his heart for the Samaritan. And this is just a story. <laughs> Jesus tells the lawyer to go and do likewise. Meaning that he should start living what the word of God tells him to do. And that is the whole purpose of my message today, is that we need to start living what God has asked us to do. Going to church is a great thing. Coming here on Sunday mornings is an opportunity for us to grow in the word of God. It's an opportunity for us to encourage one another. It's an opportunity for us to lift up songs and praise to God. It's an opportunity for all, all the, the, the wealth that we have and the money that we've made that God's so freely given to us. I mean, we work for it, but God's allowed us to have jobs. It's an opportunity for us to go in and give a little bit back to God. I love Northview. We're, I've been at churches that haven't been financially responsible. And I love that Northview is such a financially responsible church. But that's what Sunday mornings are. But Sunday mornings are the celebration of what's going on, or it should be a celebration of what's going on in our lives with Christ during the week. So when we come in here Sunday morning, and we're kind of eh, checking it off my list again. Guys, that's not, what, that's not what Christ is asking of us. See, doing that is basing it off of emotions. Doing that is worshiping when we feel like, Doing that is giving when we feel like, is serving when we feel like. And what this whole story is telling us is, no, 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 no. It's not about you. It's about doing what God has asked you to do. That's what we have to live in. If you haven't found freedom from something, if you haven't felt freedom in your relationship with Jesus, start doing what he's asking you to do. A lot of times we don't pray those prayers and ask Jesus, what he wants us to do, because we don't want to hear the answer. Because the answer may be, meaning we have to get out of our comfort zones again, and we don't want to do that. We like our lives. And he's basically saying, you've got to give up your life if you're going to follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. You have to. He's not asking us to do anything that he didn't do. So how does this relate to us? 
What's Jesus telling Northview through this story? We have to show compassion and love to those we encounter in our everyday life. We can't just pick and choose when we want to. God's word is telling us that, hey, if you're going to be a follower of me, then you're going to help people and you're going to love people. We have to love people regardless of their religion or race. And that's probably pretty hard for a lot of us with some of the stuff that's gone in our world to know that we're still called. We, we jump to judging. We feel like it's our job a lot of the times as people to judge people. And make no mistake, I, I am not saying by loving people that you're agreeing with someone else's lifestyle. That's not what I'm saying. But how the world views us a lot of times is as a bunch of hypocrites. And to some extent, they're right. We don't do a good job of loving sometimes. On Sunday morning, we come in here and we're comfortable because we know most everybody. And the people we don't know, you look nice. If you're new this morning, you look nice. We're happy to have you here. But in reality, if in here sitting among you were 30 homeless people that maybe hadn't showered in a while, we may not be that excited anymore. That's going to make us uncomfortable. What's this guy doing here? See, Jesus came back for the lost. We struggle with problems on Sunday morning when we come in. He's sitting in my seat. I can only worship from that seat. We struggle with these things. We struggle with these tiny things, these nitpicky things that we walk into service or, or in our daily routines. We do it to our spouses sometimes. We let little things annoy us about them. And we lose sight of what Christ is asking us to do. Are you loving your spouse well? Are you loving your neighbors well? Are you loving each other well? It's hard for us because of our humanness. It's hard for us to love. The only way that we're ever going to be able to do what Jesus is asking us to do is if we have Jesus. We're not capable of it without him. We stink at loving each other. We stink. But through Christ, man, we can do anything. That's what he's asking us to do. So there's three points. There's three things that I think we can learn from this story. Feel free to write them down as a reminder. The first one is we need to set aside our prejudice and show love and compassion for each other. We all have people that we don't feel like loving whether it's someone in our family, whether it's a religion, whether it's a race, whether it's a, a friend. We all have people that we don't feel like loving. We all can think of people that maybe we feel like they don't deserve love. But forget the worldly term of what love is and look at Scripture and see that God is love. So if we're to love, we're going to do as Jesus did. 
And through this story, he gives us the perfect example of how to do it. You see someone in need, you help. John 13, 35, it says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The way people are going to know that you are a follower of Jesus is not by going to church. It's by loving people. That's how people are going to know. Think about that. That's how people are going to be able to look at that. There's something different with you. You are, you are so kind. You are there for people. When you, what is that? Let me tell you what that is. That's Jesus right there. Because I can't do it on my own. Just remember, when it comes to loving people, it's not about us. We have to constantly be reminded to ourselves that it's not about us. It's about what Jesus has asked us to do. So that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you walk out of here and it's going to be, oh, this is easy to love everybody. No, it's going to be hard sometimes. We always preach that. Hey, when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean life gets easier. In fact, a lot of times life gets harder. Because you're not living for yourself anymore. And this is exactly what Jesus is asking us to do. Number two, our neighbor is anyone we encounter. When we can get past the realization that there's not just certain people that we're supposed to love, but when we can live in the freedom that it's anybody, there's a lot of freedom in that. That you don't need to worry about judging. We know what the Word of God says. There may be people out there that live a lifestyle that doesn't match up with the word of God. And guess what? We all came from lives that didn't match up with the word of God. It's only through the relationship that we have with Jesus that we learn what to be a true Christian is. So our job is not to go out and ram Jesus down someone's throat. Our job is to love. And they'll see true love through us if we do that. Anyone we encounter, that you're not going through your, your days like this anymore. That you're going through the days that you live, going, who needs help? And how can I help them? It's not always going to be financially. It's going to come in a lot of different ways. The third point I want to point out to you guys is trying to get to heaven by doing good things is impossible. I know we know that. A lot of us know that. that. The only way we get to heaven is through Jesus and his, his grace and his mercy on us. So don't walk away from here feeling like, oh, I've got to go do good things to earn my salvation. We already know that that's not true. But we also know that the word says faith without works is dead. God is calling us to action. Today he's calling Northview to action. He's saying, Northview, I love you. You guys do a great job Sunday mornings. All this is great. You guys do a great job inside the box. Get out of the box. Get out of the box. Go do something. Don't expect people to just come in here. I asked you to be fishers of men. Last time I checked, you actually have to get off the shore and into the boat and into the territory where the fish are in order to catch them. 
So we have to be willing to do that as a church. We have to be willing to do that in our daily lives. And that's all that Jesus is asking us is, will you do that? You see, the word says it. You see, that's what you're called to do. Now do it. That's exactly what he says to the lawyer. Now go and do likewise. And that's what Jesus is telling us today. Now go and do likewise. It's that simple. Now, I don't want to end it on a, on a, on a downer. I don't want to end it on a, hey, I'm, I'm saying myself as well. I, I've been, anytime I preach a message, it's usually something that God's been challenging me on in my personal life. One of the things, I, I want to leave you with, with two challenges that you can walk away with today, not just some points of, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Where do you start? How do you walk out of here today and go, okay, how do I start doing this? Because sometimes it's hard to know where to get going. So the first thing I'll say is start with your neighbors. Literally, your neighbors that live right next door to you. Do you know the people that live on each side of you? Do you know what their struggles are? Do you know what they need? Do you know what they're going through? Man, I will tell you, it's, it's hard to live this out. Me, me and Ellie, we, uh, we just moved into a new neighborhood about a month and a half ago. And it's, 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 it's not always easy to help out. But one of our neighbors that we don't know too well, they, they really need someone to watch their dog. And they were going on vacation. And I told Ellie, I said, man, this is a great opportunity for us to do something kind for our neighbor. And we already have like a 90-pound dog. This is a little like 10-pound dog. It's old. It should be cake. Because you would think like an older dog would be potty trained, right? You would think like when they're like, he sleeps in a crate at night. Yeah, if you looked inside of that crate, it looks like a horror film in there, dude. Oh, wow, is that a fingernail? Like it... So we, we get this dog and... and Luckily, I was uh, gone on a fishing trip for half the time. Uh, thank you, babe. <laughs> She's awesome. I'm not. You know, the first night, the dog's like in its little crate, and it boom, boom, up against the side. I was like, dude, what's going on? Sounds like the dog's having a seizure in there. We had just got new carpet put in before we moved in. Dog pooped a ton on the carpet. But you want to know what? It's carpet. It's not like I'm taking it with me. It was literally an opportunity, and this is a small thing. This is a small area that we could serve our neighbors. It's not like, I'm the good Samaritan. No, it's a dog. Took it on a walk a few times a day, but it helped out our neighbor. And it was a cool opportunity for us to be able to say, hey, here's something we can help you out with. I think all the other neighbors kind of knew because they were like, oh, sweet, you're going to watch the dog? (laughs) How brave. (laughs) It's just a small dog. But it was an opportunity. So start with your neighbors. What do they need? Where can you help them out with? A lot of people in our world are struggling. A lot of people in our world are going through rough times. And we put on our happy faces. And we walk into church. We do it all the time during the meet and greet. And it's not like during the meet and greet you're going to say, hey, how's it going? It's actually going really bad. This is going, oh, time's up. (laughs) I get that. That's why we talk about community groups all the time. Sometimes that seems like we're just saying community groups. Really, that's because it's an opportunity for you to get past that handshake on Sunday mornings. It's an opportunity for you to actually tell somebody the struggles that you're going through and and being there for each other and encouraging each other and saying, hey, I've been there. This is one of the things I did to help. And don't forget what scripture says. 
And it's doing life together because we, we weren't meant to do it alone. But in this modern day of the church, we can't always have that experience on a Sunday morning. So th- th- that's the plug for community groups is the reason we shouldn't do life alone is because we can have true relationship with other people when we're not. We, 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 can, we can really go deep with people and get stuff off of our chest when we're willing to go there. The second thing I want to say is uh, sign up for a Go project. Go projects are new things that we're starting up here at Northview. I don't want to just say, hey, we can do better as a church, but then not provide an opportunity for us to actually go out and serve. So what Go projects are, are they community-focused projects aimed at serving one another. If you've been to Northview, our mission statement is that we're going to celebrate God, we're going to serve one another, and we're going to share Jesus. So this is our opportunity to serve. So in the upcoming weeks, you're going to see opportunities at Go projects. We're going to start small, maybe once a month. We'll have something. It could be a lot of different things, like going to a soup kitchen or helping clean out someone's yard that that needs assistance with that or maybe going to one of the local parks in our area and cleaning it up but we're going to take an opportunity and we're going to make a difference our community is going to look at northview community church and say we are glad that we have northview community church here because it's an opportunity they serve us and they live out the gospel and our community is going to know that we are christians by the way we love and the way we serve them amen That's a good thing. We should be excited about that. We should leave encouraged today that though maybe you haven't done a great job of loving in your life, that you can start today. And you don't have to start big. I'm not telling you to run out of here and sell everything you have and give it to the first person and like, here you go. I'm saying, pray about it. Be in your word. See where God's calling you to start with. Start with those neighbors. Start with the people around you. Start with some of the relationships that God's already opened the door with and then grow from there. And let's do it individually. Let's do it as families. Let's do it as a church community that a few years from now, people can look back and go, wow, I'm sure glad that that church, I'm sure glad Northview Community Church is our community because they're about the right things. It's an awesome thing. So let's go ahead and stand up on our feet. I'm going to pray for you guys. And we're not going to end with a slow song today. We're not going to have the melodic, let's think about the message today. We're going to be excited today that the reason that we're alive and we're standing here and able to love is through God's amazing grace. That his mercy and his grace are the reason that we're able to go out and love other people. So we're going to pray about it and then we're going to sing about it. And when we sing about it, we're going to mean it. And then I'm going to come back up and pray. And then we're going to go out and we're going to be doers of the word. And we're going to start today. It might be the moment you walk out of here that you have an opportunity. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. None of us would be breathing right now if it wasn't for you. And we take this opportunity to get called out a little bit by your scripture and say, hey, if you're going to be followers of me, you need to love well. You need to go above and beyond. And we want to be that today. We want to be Northview Community Church, Jesus. We want to be a church that reaches out and helps people and expect nothing in return. Strictly for your glory and for your name because of what you've done for us. We love you more than anything and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.